Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder So Chris, the Grammys were last night. That's right. Matt, you made me watch the entire Grammys. I don't know if I've ever watched the entire Grammys before. I don't think I ever have either. Now, like the the MTV Music Awards in like the 90s and early 2000s, like absolutely would watch those from start to finish. And they would like rerun it for like a week or two on MTV after it aired. So like those I had always seen. Grammys were always a thing I forgot was happening until the next day in the paper when there'd be like a printed list of the winners or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if this is the norm or not. I was not aware that the Grammys are basically a three-hour concert with a 30-minute award show attached to it. Hey, I actually, if I was going to put something in the positive column... That's kind of a positive of it, right? You get yeah, to watch a no, lot I, of live performances. I don't really want to see people go up and accept awards and give speeches and thank people I don't know who they are. No, I think that that's fair. So I did something a little different. So when I was a kid, I used to love reading like Entertainment Weekly and all of those like entertainment magazines. The Entertainment Weekly was the one I had a had a subscription for um, at one point in my life, but. They would do things that were like the hot or not or whatever. So I did a running list of what I called the wins and losses of the Grammys. And I'm going to kind of work my way through these um, because they the wins and the losses almost complement each other right. throughout throughout the list. I think we're uh, going to agree on a lot of stuff. Can we? I think so, too. Can we do it uh, chronologically? That's what I have it okay, in. So good. I was going to say, you keep an eye on your, your okay. uh, notes as well, but... So first big win, Dua Lipe's opening performance. Awesome. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was pretty good. She was on like a a metal jungle gym thing that was getting sort of turned and she would move where she was on this metal 
cube thing <laughs> you know this like scaffolding i thought it was pretty good the song is that catch me or i go houdini song which i think is just okay um yeah it yeah it's not the best song but just the visuals i was like oh wow this is like actually a pretty high production opening performance uh but then an immediate loss Trevor Noah's opening monologue, which had almost no jokes and was just a series of weird name drops. Yeah. Uh, as, as celebrities were showing up in real time behind him, which was insane to me. Yeah. It felt super cheesy. It felt yeah. really low effort. Although, I would say that he was nice to everyone. <laughs> like, yes. he, he was very complimentary in his... I guess you would call jokes in <laughs> his barely jokes. Here's what I'll say about Trevor Noah. Seems like a really nice guy. I agree with, I feel like I'm on the same wavelength with him about the world and politics and stuff. My mom read his book, I think. And like, I guess his mm-hmm. story is real impressive and everything. I just don't find him funny. Like I felt like he, no, was, he I- was a bad daily show host. I think, so this is, this is a, I have no evidence of this, Maybe by the time this episode drops later on today, there will be more information on it. Have you ever been in Los Angeles when it's raining? Um, I don't think I... I don't know. I don't remember. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. So when I... I only lived in LA for like six months and I experienced one day of rain. And I would say that the rain that I experienced that one day would be the equivalency of a light drizzle uh-huh. um where we're well from what we're used to but the way that the streets clogged up immediately by people not knowing what to do because they're not used to driving in rain and they kept stressing how it was raining in la that day i almost wonder if they basically told trevor noah like hey a lot of the big names are running late we need you to stretch this out as long as you possibly can so that everyone gets here because it did feel like he, you know, there were, there were a lot of moments where I'm like, I don't think he's reading a teleprompter right now. I think he is literally just trying to come up with something on the fly in the moment during that monologue. I didn't realize that. And if you're right about that, then I'll give Trevor Noah credit because to me, it just seemed like bad jokes that not most people that host these things are bad at it. So yes, very much so. So if he was coming up with stuff off the top of his head, you know, you did notice like Taylor Swift walked in to the thing while he was doing his his thing. His it seemed kind of yeah, awkward. Yeah. So yeah, okay, all right. Maybe, um, maybe we give him somewhere in the middle. Then it doesn't have to be a okay. loss. Maybe we'll he- give it a mixed feelings. Okay. We'll give it a mixed feelings more than loss. Okay. So then I wrote down when, despite the fact that I think the song is mid, Miley Cyrus's genuine shock at winning the best pop solo performance, but then the loss being whatever the hell that butterfly story was she told in her acceptance speech. I, (laughs) one of the few things I liked about Miley Cyrus at the Grammys was her butterfly story. It was, it was weird and awkward. And it was like, it felt like, Oh, she's going a little long with this story. What is this story? But it was just like, when you stop chasing something, that's when, the success finally comes to you. But in Miley Cyrus's, <laughs> if, if her success is just, what, winning a Grammy? She's already <laughs> a super rich, successful person. So I don't really know what, what, that, what that's all about. I didn't mind the story. We're going to get into more Miley Cyrus, of course. We will. We will. I agree we'll with you soon. that that song is just okay. 
Like, yeah, it, it's not the it, most incredible song of the year to me. No, it's not even the most incredible song from Miley Cyrus. It's like, pretty forgettable song, I find. That's it. Is. It's not like it's bad. We're talking about flowers here, by the way. Uh, yeah, flowers. It's not bad, but it's not. Nothing about that song is very special. I, I told you early. I think I texted you like. She tried to write I Will Survive for the Modern Times, and it's nowhere near, not even in the same <laughs> the same continent of good as I Will Survive, right? Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah. All right, so this one I'm going to reverse it. I'm starting with a loss and then going into a win. Oh. So I said, loss, this weird AI CGI Luke Combs fast car story promo segment, win... Luke Combs using the popularity of the song to get Tracy Chapman to finally perform at the Grammys. That was a that was a that to me might be the peak of the whole show for me is seeing Tracy Chapman on stage after like I think it's been like 15 years of retirement singing Fast Car in front of people who love her. Like that was that was a heavy thing to watch for me. That was really cool. And I've gone back and forth a lot about how I feel about Luke Combs, some country dude covering this. But the more interviews i saw with him talking about it where he's just like yeah my dad listened to this album in the car a lot and i loved it and i learned to play it when i was young and i just love playing it the reason i recorded it was because i love playing it and we weren't even thinking it was going to be a single or a hit or anything and then it was i like that's really good reasoning it doesn't feel yeah. like there was like strategic planning of like we're gonna we're gonna go out, and this song's gonna be a hit for you. You're gonna, you're gonna steal uh, Tracy Chapman's thunder. It's just like he just loves the song, and he performs it pretty well. I'm not a country guy, of course, but as far as country guys go, he seems like a pretty stand-up dude. He even got like, he's usually like a dude in like a camo hat and a beard, and he even got like a nice haircut and dressed up to perform the song. Yeah. Like I even <laughs> respected that. So yeah, I, I kind of feel like I'm. He's won me over a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So here's my next weird win or loss. So my win was actually having an International Artist Award be presented on television, because usually that happens during commercial breaks, followed immediately by the loss of realizing that 86 of the 94 awards had already been given out before the show even started. Yeah. I, I, I don't really care. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I don't care. Like we said earlier in the thing, I like seeing the performances and then criticizing them <laughs> or, yeah, or loving I mean, them or hating them or thinking they're whatever. But as far as going up there, seeing people accept awards, once again, and thank a bunch of names that I don't know who they are, it's not interesting to me. Well, so then I have I have a double win into a loss. Mm. So my double win is win Billie Eilish's nice stripped down simple performance. Another win, Boy Genius, Paramore, and Killer Mike all winning Grammys. Loss, Killer Mike getting arrested immediately upon leaving the Grammys. Yeah, he won like three Grammys and got a, what did yeah. he, do, do we know what he got arrested for? These, all that I've read was suspect in a violent altercation that day. Okay, weird. Um, <laughs> like, okay, great. <laughs> so we got to talk a little bit about SZA's performance. Uh, yes, we do. It was the Kill Bill themed, of course, her song Kill Bill, which I don't think is even the best song on the album. Um, she no. performed Snooze, which I love that song. And dude, when it comes to SZA, I realize she's like this huge artist, but I just have this playlist 
that I have songs on and I listen to regularly, and it could be bands that no one's ever heard of or artists no one's ever heard of or the biggest artists in the world. They all get mixed together, and sometimes I don't have a real concept of how big or not big an artist is. I knew SZA was big. I didn't know that performing snooze on the Grammys big. I, I guess yeah. I, I guess I, I realized that she was this big or whatever. That song's like an everyday listen for me. So I was like, oh, nice. I didn't I've, know this I've song got was more big. About, yeah. I'll have more about SZA shortly. Okay. Um, for sure. Uh, my next win-loss uh, and then I'll just double up on this quick loss that I'm sure you have no opinion of, but I'm going to throw it out there. Actually, I'll start with that loss, the loss that you don't care about. Loss, uh, which is Taylor Childers not winning any of the country awards because his album's awesome. But um, when okay. I wrote Miley Cyrus's performance being very loose and fun, loss, Miley's performance also not being particularly good. <laughs> uh, so, Look. I love that Miley just doesn't care. <laughs> I, yeah, like I think that that's charming to me. I love I love that, but does that mean that I also just like that I like that I have to love anything else about her? Can I still think like <laughs> can I love like that sort of punk rock attitude, but at the same time not like her song, not like her performance, not really like anything? Is that that's okay, right? Like it's, I think that's all right. It's all, Keep, I mean, I I, I think. I mean, she it's came out, say, dude, yeah. she started the song and she goes, why are you acting like you don't know this song? Like, <laughs> Miley, maybe everybody knows the song, but just thinks it's not that great of a song. Because that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah, I know it. I know it. I like, I thought to myself, who is this song for? Like, <laughs> if somebody's heart is broken, is this the song they're going to? Do people really relate to Miley Cyrus in some way? So I here's my theory. Here's my theory with this song. And it might be because it, when I think of the song, I literally only think of the first line of the chorus, mm -hmm. right? Where she says the name of the song. Yeah. And that makes me think like, is this one of those songs that was almost written for the inevitable TikToks that people would use the beginning of that chorus for some TikTok video to their ex on or something like that? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I can't help but not think in a uh, post-TikTok world, stuff like that. But let's talk about SZA, because I put win. SZA running late to the stage to accept her award because she was still <laughs> getting cleaned up from her performance. Yeah. But then I put a slight loss. SZA praising Lizzo so much, followed by a question of, whatever happened with that giant lawsuit against Lizzo anyway? <laughs> Oh, why? Because she was like treating her dancers poorly or something. Yeah, like she's just like Lizzo's so great, and I was like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people got real upset with Lizzo this year. Yeah, a lot of people got so. upset with Lizzo. But to be fair, I don't know her side of it, and that's true. You know, the body stuff aside, whatever. Like maybe it was their her dancers' jobs to be like super good at dancing and super fit and whatever. And if they weren't doing that, maybe she was like, yo, you're fired or whatever. I, I don't know. I, That's I true. never we heard don't her side of it. Um, the only other thing I remember about that whole thing was while that was coming out, the person who made the documentary love Lizzo that I think is on max was like, I'm glad someone finally called her out for the monster that she was when I was trying to make that documentary too. Oh. So it was like, Oh, 
Okay, so there's more than just these dancers that said that she sucks. Okay. That right. makes me a little bit nervous. All right. Um, Not all right. cool. Hey, you skipped over yeah. something pretty fast that I, oh, that, let's do it. That let's I want to talk about. The Billie Eilish performance. And yes. I came in with a negative attitude, okay, about the song. I'm like, ah, oh, it's the freaking song from Barbie, whatever. I felt like real blah, whatever about the song. And I will say this. She won me over. She's, I, she sang that song so great, and it was such a personal performance that I, after three minutes of the song, I was like, you know what? I think I like this song now, and whatever. I mean, I like plenty of songs by her, and, and I think she's I'm cool, very, but, yeah. I hate throwing around the word mid like I'm in my teens, but like I, I still think it's a pretty mid song. Yeah, um, I agree. And I, and I think that that's only... I feel like I only feel that way because it's being so praised as amazing. Um, and maybe maybe I'm just a little hurt because our boy Dan Wilson didn't get the song <laughs> song of the year award to that one. Yeah, but uh, Not that I even knew that song. Dude, I was like, I don't know what this song is, but Dan Wilson's in contention, just, so let's do it. We're going to talk about him at some point, but why is John Batiste nominated for all this stuff? Is he a guy that gets like, all I know him as is colbert's band leader like why is he nominated for i realize he's amazing or whatever but does he yeah. get played on like the radio and stuff like well who I knows mean, you his have to, music you also have to factor in like there this is let's not forget that like the grammys one of the most infamous grammy sweeps of all time was Nora jones taking like all of the awards and like i love Nora jones but you know that jazzy album was not exactly being played every. But hold on you know a second. I mean? like, the hit, the the hit song from it. Don't was, know why that's true. Yeah, but there's been times where like the album of the year went to some obscure true. jazz instrumental album. So I, I think it's just whatever, whatever. Work. I mean, look, we're friends with people who had albums in like the shortlist contention. You know what I mean? Like, there's been at least two people on this podcast. Who, who had potential children's album nominees and stuff like that. So, you know, I think it's just a matter of submitting it. Um, I'm going to put one... I'm going to do a quick loss that we can talk about for a little bit, and then I want to have uh, a, a double-headed uh, Olivia Rodrigo thing ah, here. Yes. But, the, but the loss, I'm going to say... And we were texting a lot about this. U2 performing at the Sphere. Oh. So U2 is performing at the Las Vegas Sphere, Chris. And I don't know if you know this, but I was looking into it because I was curious. And what they're performing is the Actong Baby anniversary. So the fact that they're there representing this album and they play this shitty new song called Atomic City. And then I looked at what the rest of the set list is that they play. And we could have gotten them playing Mysterious Ways or Where the Streets Have No Name or Beautiful Day. Any of those songs I would have taken over this fucking Atomic City garbage. They have not had a good song since the album with Beautiful Day and Stuck in a Moment You Can't Get Out of. Like, that was the last good U2 song that I can think of. Why on earth? Who? <laughs> Once again, I'm, I feel like I'm going to say this several times. Who was that for? Who, who <laughs> wanted to hear a new U2 song performed well, at the Sphere? Chris, let's be sincere for a minute. Outside of Taylor Swift fans who will follow her anywhere, I feel like the average Grammy watcher 
is older than us. <laughs> like, okay. I think that the people who tune in for the Grammys people, are boomers. It, oh, boomers love you too. Okay, sure. <laughs> hey, I feel like more often than not, I kind of stick up for you two because they have yeah. so many great songs in the 80s that I... And even in early 90s, but yeah, they fell hard. Once the 2000s hit, they were but tapped out. Matt, even if they're playing for boomers... Yeah. Why wouldn't they play one of their 10 great songs? Why? That yeah. was that was the lowest was point of the... I mean, there's another really low point. <laughs> I was going to say, hold on a second. Yeah. Hold on a second. Pause your thoughts yeah, okay. on there, Chris. <laughs> we'll, we'll argue about which was worse. I know what, you're, yeah. I know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy, and getting to eat restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! So I'm going to have a, a win and a loss here. Win. Olivia Rodrigo performing the hell out of the song Vampire, which is probably my least favorite song on that album. Really? But man, does she perform it well. But then I wrote Lost for Midnight's Beating Guts for the pop vocal album. And we're going to talk about Midnight's a little bit more later on. I'll just say I genuinely think that Guts was the better pop album of those two pop stars in 2026. Uh, 2026, Jesus. In 2023, personally. That's my personal I opinion. I don't. I listened to the whole uh, Olivia Rodrigo album a few times. I don't know if I ever listened to the whole Taylor Swift album. Obviously, Taylor Swift's the more popular. Is there like there were rumors that Vampire was about Taylor Swift? Did you hear that? There's been I've heard that rumor because Taylor Swift was like 
her idol and like she co-wrote a song with Jack that like sounded similar to a Taylor Swift song. So the story that I understand, the reason why people think vampires about Taylor Swift is because Olivia Rodrigo was very upfront with how much of a big fan she was of Taylor Swift. And most of the album Sour is about Olivia Rodrigo's boyfriend, Josh, uh, Josh Bennett dating, dumping her to date Sabrina Carpenter. And then Taylor Swift took Sabrina Carpenter out as her opening act Hmm. on her tour. And I think people assume, I don't know one way or the other, but I think the assumption is, man, this girl's been so public about how big of an inspiration Taylor Swift is. And then Taylor Swift doesn't ask her to be the opening act on her tour, but takes literally the person she wrote 11 angry songs about to be her opener instead. And kind of like that don't meet your heroes type song. I don't think that that's true. I think that that's just like tween pop star fans getting really into the weeds about yeah, stuff. And if, but if you, if you like look through all the lyrics of that song, it doesn't feel like it's about, it doesn't make about another, it, it feels like a relationship song. I got a question or for you. about a record label. I could see it being about mm. a record label, but like, like if it was like that next, you know, like slightly metaphorical, it sounds like it's a bad relationship song, but the relationships with like someone in a position of power and not necessarily a boyfriend. But yeah, I don't think it's about Taylor Swift either. All right. I got a question for you. Why can you say damn, but not goddamn? <laughs> I have no goddamn clue, Chris. And that's why I think this is also the episode we announce the cussies. Which, yeah, the cussies. We, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is going to be our, our yearly award show on the one hand under uh, podcast. Don't hold us to this idea uh, where we award the best cusses in film, television, music. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, pop culture. It, it would take a lot of work on our part to like figure out what the best cusses were, but I no, think it'd be worth no, it. No, it's not, Chris. All we're going to do is just post one of those polls where people can add options ah. into it and say, hey, on the Facebook, hey, we're looking for nominees for the best cuss in a movie in 2024 yeah. and let people send their things and then we'll I like it. look into the options and, and, and so, make our... We got to do. I, I think we have, Chris. I was thinking about this all night last night. Okay. We bring in some of our fan favorites as presenters. Mm-hmm. Like we don't even present the awards. We're the hosts. Of, okay. Of this twenty-minute podcast award ceremony, and like Tony Hart is the presenter, say for the best cuss in a movie. <laughs> well, like we got to do movie, TV show, um, song, song, and maybe the best cuss on One Hit Thunder. Ooh. Ooh. That is a good that one. Okay, a, that, we'll see. That'd be a pretty right. good one. Hey, also, during the Olivia Rodrigo performance, I thought they were going to do... I thought this would have been badass. I thought her performance was like pretty good. Obviously, she sings well. I thought they were going to do the Carrie Pig's Blood thing. And I was like, if she Ooh. does it, if she does oh. that, that is so badass. And she didn't do it. She didn't do it. She did. Did you watch her performances on SNL? Both of her performances on SNL were really cool and interesting. I, yeah. I liked that. Yeah, she's good. Um, all right. So I've got two wins and a loss Okay. Um, for the entire In Memoriam mm. segment, which was like 16 minutes so long. long. It was a long piece. So I wrote, loss. As much as I love the song for once in my life, yeah. this weird Tony Bennett, Bennett, Stevie Wonder collab as a tribute to the musicians who passed away, didn't do it for me. And the best is yet to come seems like a weird song choice for this segment. But then my wins were 
Annie Lennox featuring Wendy and Lisa covering Nothing Compares to You and Melanie being featured amongst the dead musicians in the In Memoriam segment. Um, I loved Annie Lennox performing Nothing Compares to You with two members of the Revolution as the backup band. Like I was like, that's fucking awesome. Well, look, I never want to say anything bad about Stevie Wonder. He's one of my all-time favorites. Oh, same. I would Don't have so wrong, much but... rather he just played the song like <laughs> the way it's supposed to be played. Like that was really weird. It felt, I don't know. It felt so weird. I saw Stevie Wonder, I guess it's been, geez, probably pushing 10 years ago now, but he was so amazing. And yeah, that that wasn't Stevie Wonder's, Stevie Wonder had his full powers or whatever. The analytics thing was cool, of course. Um, I felt like obviously nowhere, the, nothing compares to Shanae's version of no, it but of course she, she did pretty well uh then john batiste did the third part of it i thought that was the weirdest part because it was yeah. some uplifting gospel thing but it felt really all over the place like he put this thing together and it was just people singing all over the just the arrangement of it felt like madness and it was it didn't feel appropriate for what was going on you know being the in memoriam i i made a note of some noteworthy in memoriam people tommy smothers of the smothers brothers jimmy buffett mm -hmm. of course sinead uh shane mcgowan uh wayne kramer andy rourke from the smiths randy meisner burt Bacharach, seymour stein melanie of course rodriguez gordon lightfoot and of course tina turner and then fantasia came out and did tina turner how did you feel about that matt i didn't mind that at all i mean so i looked at john batiste did ain't no sunshine and lean on me ain't no sunshine fine yeah. like that kind of makes sense lean on me is a little bit more difficult of a sell for me as a in memoriam song <laughs> but uh yeah i thought that fantasia did you know it's funny fantasia was like there's only maybe one or two seasons that I really watched American Idol yeah. and hers was one of those seasons. Yeah, me too for and, some reason. Why? Yeah, and I and I didn't like her that much when she was a contestant, but like over the last like 5 or 6 years I keep hearing more songs by her and like now I get it. Mm -hmm. Um cuz I think when she was on American Idol it was just very much like, oh, this is just like Walmart brand Macy Gray. Like it was like another like raspy voice soul singer kind of on there. Mm -hmm. But like she actually has some great songs, oh. so and she can sing. You yeah. know, shocker, an American Idol contestant can sing. Yeah, um, I thought she did pretty well. I like. I yeah. thought her performance was pretty good. All right, so here might be the biggest win of the entire night. We were texting about this jokingly, but then it happened. Jay Z's entire speech, where he's just dunking on the Grammys <laughs> throughout his speech. But specifically, the hardest I laughed the whole night was him telling the story of Fresh Prince and DJ Jazzy Jeff boycotting the Grammys because the Best Rap Album Award wasn't being televised. He's like, and then we went into a hotel room and watched it anyway, so it was not much of a boycott. Right, and then he did the same thing when he boycotted the Grammys. Yeah, yeah. It was, he was pretty funny. I, I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, uh, you know, what was the one the one line that people have been saying all over uh, all over was, you know, sometimes the wrong person's going to win. Sometimes you're going to feel like you got robbed and sometimes you're not even the, in the category you should be. <laughs> and I was like, "Yep, that's the truth." There are times where I look at the Grammy nominees and I'm like, "How is that in the rock album category? Or how is that 
sure. whatever. Um, another big win. Not a favorite artist of mine at all, but but seeing Joni Mitchell get up there and just perform at like eighty something years old was just a cool moment. Yeah. Like there's things that are just like that's cool. Yeah, that's like what this should be about. Is like celebrating the people who kind of built. <laughs> the yeah. music industry on their backs yeah it was a bunch um, of like amazing musicians with her who were all psyched and were influenced by her it was yeah. cool obviously she's up there now and you know can't really sing that well and has had lots of health problems and everything else so i thought that was that was what the grammys are all about i thought that was good 100%. you skipped billy eilish winging winning song of the year yes well because uh, i kind of already mentioned it i wrote the hate seeing her win uh, and beat Dan Wilson was my but, my loss there, but yeah, I mean she gave a great speech too. She yeah, was, she said she balls. was another <laughs> yeah she said balls. That was the closest to a cuss. Yeah, Chris thought he was going to get yeah. until the worst performance oh, of the night. My. I have never ever understood the appeal of Travis Scott really, and this did nothing to make me change my opinion that he is not for me. Dude, what kind of music is Travis Scott? <laughs> it's not rap. It's not hip hop. Is it? I think they can, is this, so here's where I'm going to sound like I am a thousand years old to any young listener. I think it's what categorizes as the trap style of hip hop, but I don't really know what that is. Dude, <laughs> like, there's so many amazing, I mean, just go on TikTok and like, you'll see so many amazing rappers and hip hop artists out there. Why is this guy so popular? That was don't, and, such a terrible performance. And like, let's, let's say, let's put this out there, right? We were talking about Killer Mike earlier, right? Mm -hmm. Dude won three different Grammys for rap for a song that he does with Andre 3000. Yeah. You know how much I'd rather watch Killer Mike and Andre 3000 be given this spot that Travis Scott got? Like, I mean, it would have been so much better, like a thousand times better. Those are... Those are two legitimate ass performers, and also, like, let's be fair, Travis Scott intentionally or unintentionally killed a lot of people at a concert yeah. recently. I like, mean, I just don't musically. There's, it's rare. There's an artist where there's not like at least a song where I'm like, you know what, I get it. Yeah. Not for me. But I, I mean, get... sicko mode isn't terrible, but that's the closest <sighs> I've ever come to being like, all right, like I just. Even like Juice World, I didn't love Juice I World, but I Juice came World. around to really like Juice World. I yeah, Juice like Juice World. Like I eventually got there. I have never gotten there with Travis Scott oh, it's ever. So bad, so bad. Um, At that point, Matt, when I was watching that performance, I was so mad that we had to watch this to do this episode, and I was also thinking to myself, "Oh my god, the the." premiere episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm is now out, and I'd so much rather watching Curb right now than watching this. Well. But that's one of my losses was this going past 11 p.m. Yeah. Because I really thought, man, there's only eight awards that they have to give out and a couple performances. This might be done by 1030. Yeah. Boy, was I wrong. And then I wrote, this is the one I'm going to have to stress a little bit here. I wrote mixed feelings. And my mixed feeling was Taylor Swift having the most album of the year wins of all time. While I find this interesting... I don't think Midnight's should be the album that is associated with that history-making moment, especially compared to when the other album of the year wins for her were Fearless, 1989, and Folklore, that I think are all like undeniable great albums, and I think Midnight's is just middle of the fucking road. Mm -hmm. Like I actually was hanging out 
this weekend with a frequent guest and one of the world's biggest Taylor Swift fans, Matt DiStefano. And he, we were talking about this album and he's like, I think it's one of her worst releases, honestly. And then he texted me as she won and said, should have gone to Boy Genius. Like, yeah, like it, it's, it was a, it's a bad win. It's It's a bad win. She would have gotten that, that history making moment in a year or two, I'm sure with this new album that she announced, but this was not a good enough album to beat out all of the other albums that were in that category. You know, this past year was a year where I don't have a real clear, like album I was really rooting for. Yes. I like the boy genius album, you know, to a certain extent. I like it. Yeah. I like the SZA album, not the whole thing all the way through. I like selected songs, I, but there wasn't like a real clear cut one. I'm gonna, I've always felt when it comes to Taylor Swift that I'm pretty indifferent leaning on the side of she's fine. I don't understand the hate and I also don't understand the obsessive love. I, I think you could, she's pretty good. And I'm just holding my tongue because I was one of those people at first where I'm a football fan and I'm like, oh God, I'm sick of seeing Taylor Swift. But I take that back. Because as we get further into 2024, I feel like Taylor Swift could help sway the future of America <laughs> with a few words and encouraging her fans to go vote. I, I, I'm going to hold back any criticism and say, God bless her. I, yeah. you know, the, the more put her on the pedestal because she really could save us <laughs> she, really she could. could she could yeah all right and then my final win of the night closing out the night with billy joel performing you may be right i just i am the biggest billy joel stan i fucking love billy joel don't know how i feel about this new song but i'm glad that after 30 years he's put out another song that's pretty cool but i love you may be right that's a good ass billy joel 80s song not one of my favorite billy joel songs wasn't crazy about the new song. A couple people had told me like, oh, this new Billy Joel song is really good. And then I, I hadn't heard it yet, but I watched him perform it. Maybe I need to hear the recording version. I was like, uh, I don't know about this song. I um, don't think he's ever going to write a song that's as good as say like a Vienna or like a New York state of mind ever again. I don't, I don't think he's got he it. going to write him, an Allentown. <laughs> no, I don't think he's going to write an Allentown. Uh, I don't even think he's going to write a pressure or <laughs> or a for the longest time. Buddy. Oh He's... boy, if he wrote, if he would just do another one of those albums, I'd be all about it. But uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. The, it's cool. It's cool to honor the legacy artists and have them play. I thought that was cool. Hey, you you skipped this. I kind of like the Burner Boy. I didn't know who Burner Boy was, but I thought his performance okay. was pretty cool. Oh yeah, no, that was cool. That was very cool. And Twenty One Savage and Brandy were there. Yeah, that was dope. Y- yeah, <laughs> and then Record of the Year went to Miley Cyrus for Flowers. Where yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was the goofiest speech. I was waiting. I seriously. She was so goofy, and she said something about her last thing she said is like, I'm not wearing underwear. I was seriously re- ready for her to turn around and, and let out a little fart as she walked off the stage. <laughs> that would have been like par for the course for Miley Cyrus. Uh, once again, I respect the I don't, I don't care at all attitude. That doesn't mean I have to like, I don't have to like anything else about her. Uh, and then I waited the, the whole time. You're waiting for album of the year, and it's like, oh, it's Taylor Swift. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing we didn't, I didn't, write down but is worth mentioning is i did appreciate victoria monet winning best new artist and not 
even giving the slightest fuck about the playoff music. Mm-hmm. Like the playoff music started playing and she's like, oh, they're trying to get rid of me. Anyway, here's another like 30 people I want to thank real quick. I guess maybe I have to, she was the one artist of the night I don't really know much about. Her and Burner I don't Boy. either. Yeah, I, I know that I've heard, I think our boy Todd in the Shadows mm. ranked her single as one of his top 10 pop singles of the year. Okay. But yes, that is... Our uh, our Grammy things, but before we sign off, Chris, in about a month, there's a uh, there's some shows you're playing. Oh, and I think there's tickets still available. You want to really quickly let listeners know if they want to go check out Punchline where they can do it. Yeah, this has nothing to do with the Grammys. Oh, I hope one day it does. <laughs> yeah, maybe one day it will. <laughs> maybe one day it will. <laughs> but yes, Punchline is going on tour with Have Mercy and Don't Panic. We're playing shows in New York, in Maryland in it was jersey oh new jersey i forgot how can i forget new jersey yeah new york new jersey maryland and outside of pittsburgh uh so if you want to come on out it's gonna be real good we we're a five piece now and i feel like i've been watching videos and listening back to our multi-track shows and i'm like damn we sound pretty good i don't mean to sound surprised about that i'm supposed to be confident about now but you know what as long as we've been doing this podcast which is you know we're at three or four years Anytime punchline came up, you would say to me, my dream lineup is a five piece. Mm-hmm. You, you've said that multiple times. And, you know, being able to see you guys perform in Philly uh, just a week or so ago, I get why, man. It sounds fuller. It sounds better that way. And, like, Steve, I think, is looser because he can, like, you know, do some front man shit during some of the songs. He doesn't always have to be tethered to the guitar the whole time. So I was like, this is this is top tier punchline performance right now. I love it. I love that. Yeah. I love that Philly show that you were at, Matt. I really loved that show. Had a blast. Yeah. There's going to be a ton more punchline shows that I'm sure we'll be promoting in future bonus episodes. So definitely make sure you never skip these bonus episodes when they drop on the feed. Because yeah. that's a good way to find out where you can meet Chris. And, and I'll be at, I think, two of those nice. shows. That nice. you're playing, nice. so uh, so you can meet the guys who do one hit. Can thunder. you even imagine meeting the yeah. guys who do one hit thunder? <laughs> you're listening to the Geekscape Network. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of that one time on tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's up, everyone? This is Jay Reason, and I want to let you all know that Diablo Zen Podcast is now part of the Sound Talent Media family. Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezek, interview artists from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond. We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, L.A. street photographer Estevan Oriel, Jimmy G from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law, and pro wrestler Vampiro, to name a few. If you're a fan of good discussions and lots of laughs, tune in and join the fun.